Praise the Lord. Praise the living Jesus. Good morning, everyone. It's a beautiful day. This is the day the Lord has made. We are rejoicing and we'll be glad in it. I am so glad to be in our midst this morning and just privileged and thankful to bring the sermon and to bring the message in the next few minutes. But I must quickly thank and appreciate the very Reverend and Mrs. Adeshola Kuyebi, as well as the Church Council. Thank you so much for your invitation and for your prayers. I want to thank and congratulate the women's group at this time who have come to the end of the Women's Charity Week. I believe it has been an awesome week indeed. I learned that we've visited motherless homes, orphans. We've given out gifts. May the Lord continue to bless and strengthen you all in Jesus' name. I also want to thank all mothers, all my mothers and fathers here, uncles and aunties, and of course my very own parents, Professor and Princess Ugumola. Thank you so much. God bless you. Now the topic for today is a call to courage. And we read some verses of scripture earlier on, but I want to emphasize Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. And at the same time, I'll just do a quick prayer. Father, thank you. This segment has been prayed for already. But I thank you, Father, that in this next few minutes that you will use me, that you will flow through these frail lips of clay to strengthen the brethren, to strengthen the hearers. The Lord, you will speak through me. I will not speak of myself, but your own counsel. And your words will come to pass, will take root and bear results in the life of all. In Jesus' name. Amen. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, verse 9, it says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. These were words of encouragement to Joshua. And we had read from chapter 1, so we understand the picture and the scenario there. Moses, the servant of God, had passed on. And now it was Joshua's turn to take courage and carry out the work. But verse 8, which is a very popular scripture with many of us. Verse 8, Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. The preceding verse to this says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. I'm sure we all want good success. But this is the key. It says, you shall meditate in it day and night. To meditate in God's word is to think on his word, 
to let it take root deep inside of us, to let it strengthen our hearts and our minds. The Word of God is to our spirits just like food, natural food, is to our bodies. I'm sure most of us have taken breakfast this morning. Breakfast, we have breakfast, lunch, dinner, and some things in between. Why? We want to be strong in our physical bodies, right? We want to be healthy. And so it is with our spirit man and with our minds. We need to meditate and think on God's word and absorb it and let it be part of us. This lies, herein lies the root of success and the root of our courage. So the following verse says, Have I not commanded you, Joshua, to be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you. You'll agree with me that in times like this, we many times have reason or have cause to be afraid. Do you agree? So many things are staring at us in the face. The future of the country, a country like this, a Nigeria like this. For many of us who are much older, our fathers here and our mothers, uh, you, you look at the country and sometimes you are sad because you realize that from the beginning it was not so. Many years ago, when, at least when I was growing up, um, in the 60s and the early 70s. Nigeria looked, what you can say, upwardly mobile, right? But somewhere along the line, things began to go downhill. May the Lord uplift this country again in Jesus' name. And may his glory be restored once again. But you know that the Lord is counting on you and I to live very courageous lives. Not just comfortable lives, but courageous lives. We must live courageously. And the root of that courage is to draw strength from his word. So if you have been slack concerning God's word, make up your mind to study, to read, and meditate in it. Not only when you come to church. Joshua 1.8 says what? Meditate in it what? Day and night. Did he say only on Sundays? No. On Sundays we come and we are encouraged and we are refired. But our devotion in God must always be in place day and night. This will ensure that in the midst of adversity, we will not faint. This will ensure that when others are saying there's a casting down, you will say there is a lifting up. Because you know in whom that you believe. You know who strengthens you. You know the King of kings and the Lord of, the Lord of hosts. I checked the dictionary meaning quickly of the word courage. And it says, the quality of mind or spirit that enables a person to face difficulty, danger, pain, without fear and with bravery. So he didn't say that we will not have danger, we will not have difficulty, but courage is that quality of mind and spirit that enables us to face danger, that enables us to face difficulty. If I say we will not have difficulty, I lie to you, right? We must be real. Even Jesus said, in the world, you will have tribulation. That's in John 16, verse 33. He says, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. 
So, because he has overcome the world, he said, be of good cheer. And I say, you are overcomers in Jesus' name. But how do we process this overcoming? How do we walk in it in reality? So it is not just something that we say. When we receive his word and we are strengthened, we are able to look at difficulty in the face and we are able to advance. We are able to make progress. We will not faint. The Bible says, if in the day of adversity you faint, your strength is small. But I declare that your strength will increase in Jesus' name. I mentioned in the first service about an interesting story that I love so much in the Bible, and it's the story of Esther. And I'll just touch on it a bit, though I'm still tempted to talk about some women in the New Testament, and we'll come to that in a moment. I'll summarize Esther. Um, Esther demonstrated courage, you know, in the face of adversity. Her life was strengthened. If we know the story, if we don't get back home, read from Esther chapter 1 to 9. It's a very short uh, book of the Bible, but very interesting. Interesting to me because many times I see myself in Esther. Esther was chosen to be the king's bride. Time will not permit us to go into what happened before that, the story of Vashti and all of that. But she was chosen, she found favor before the king. And she was there in the palace, and, well, we think she was enjoying her life in the palace. How many people think she was enjoying her life in the palace? Of course, when you live in the palace, what, what do you expect? What should people expect of you? But hmm, they say in English that all that glitters is not gold. So Esther was there, but trouble broke out among the Jews. And her cousin, Mordecai, who was a mentor, who had raised her, this man, I think, was more like an uncle because he raised her. Esther was an orphan. He raised her. Her parents had died due to the war. And uh, he encouraged her to go in for the uh, beauty pageant where a bride was to be chosen because he believed she had what it takes. May you find those who believe in you. And above all, may we also find people to believe in. As parents, even as singles, young people here, you may not have a child yet, but you can look around you and believe in somebody. You know, especially those who are indigent. I'm glad about the offering we took for the, the scholarship for the indigent students. That really is the way to go because someone needs to be given, you know, just a chance and just a window of opportunity, and then they can thrive and blossom. Mordecai was Esther's opportunity. She was all... You know, he was all she had. And many times we look around us and we complain and we say, I have nothing. But if you look very closely, you will see that you have something. At least you have a functioning mind. Hello? For you to recognize you have, some, you have nothing, it means that your mind is functioning. And that itself is a blessing. You are breathing. When I come many times to a point that could be very low for me or when I'm faced with adversity... I've trained myself to remember that I'm breathing, I'm alive, and there is hope. I've trained myself to think that, okay, even if something happens, and I go to be with the Lord, it's not the worst because I'm a Christian, and I know where I will end up. And I know that by the grace of God, when the role is called up yonder, I'll be there. Will you be there? 
So death is not even an end, it's only a bend. So it really is not the worst. The worst is to live a purposeless life. The worst is not death. Because the Bible tells us that when someone, we are, as Christians, if we die, we have only slept and we are going to wake up with the Lord. But to live a life on earth that is purposeless, it means that we are just existing and not living. May you truly live in Jesus' name. So Esther was called upon. This wicked Haman, who was the king's right-hand man, had signed into decree that the Jews should be killed on a particular day. Esther was a Jew, even though the king did not know that. She had not yet disclosed her full identity to him. And Mordecai, her uncle, said, go before the king and do what? Turn this decree around. But alas, she had to open up. She said, 30 days I have not seen this man for 30 days now. And she seemed to want to express that, and I don't even know when. I'm just paraphrasing, because when I read the Bible, it's like stories. But these stories heal us when we are open. These stories bring healing to our lives. And so she had to open up. And uh, her cousin said, well, you've just got to do what you have to do. He was in sackcloth and ashes. She had first sent him clothes. He sent it back. You see, when it's time to step up in courage, it's not time to be comfortable. Esther was comfortable in the palace, but she wasn't doing much with her life. Do you agree with me? She wasn't doing much with her life because how can you be the queen and you've not seen the king for 30 days? Hello? The king is the number one man. And the assignments he gives you to do that you're supposed to report back to him. He's your husband. Isn't he supposed to spend time with you? No lunch, no dinner, no bedroom matters. Hello? It's like they were living apart but in the same palace. What a sad life. Yet, the other maidens, the other young ladies, remember it was a, there was a competition and all the maidens putting for the competition, but she was the only one that was chosen. So I can imagine all the other young ladies, maybe on a certain day or from time to time, thinking about her and saying, oh, I wish it was me. Don't wish for what you don't know. The grass is not always greener on the other side, especially behind the walled fences. Ah, oh, I wish it was me. Esther must be enjoying herself, that girl. Why was she chosen above me? Wait for your time, wait for your purpose. And it will be meaningful in Jesus' name. She was not enjoying herself because eating good food, good breakfast, wearing gold and going nowhere. It's not my definition of enjoyment. It's not the definition of a beautiful life. She and her maidens, they were just there. They'll paint their face, paint their nails, but they weren't going anywhere. They weren't going anywhere because she had not seen the king for 30 days. It means that the king had not invited her to a function. Hello? What was happening to his sex life? What was happening to him? Was this Haman giving him ladies or whatever to occupy him? We don't know. Filling the missing blanks. <laughs> but one thing is, she was afraid. When the king said, when Mordecai said, go before the king. She said, you know the protocols. No one goes before the king except if they are sent for. And if you are sent for, and you, if you are not sent for and you go, and the king does not stretch his golden scepter, what happens? You are dead. He doesn't have to say anything. The Hamans and co, 
they will just bundle the person. Now, Vashti, she didn't say this, but I know from reading the chapter that Vashti, her predecessor, was still alive. Do you know Vashti was not killed? She was excommunicated. She was sent for. She disobeyed. She didn't go. She was excommunicated. Now, they didn't call you. You go. And it doesn't approve. Death. So she felt Vashti had a better life because she's on some island somewhere. Although we don't hear of her, so she was irrelevant. Maybe ministering to the animals there. This lady was so comfortable in her comfort zone, but it was time to step up. It was time to have courage. What did she do? She decided to what? Fast and pray. And she told Mordecai, I and my maidens, we will fast and we will pray. You fast along and pray with me. And if I perish, I perish. That's Esther chapter 4, verse 14. She said, if I perish, which means, she said, I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Now, she was now ready to die in the process for the Lord, for the work of the Lord. She was now ready. Fast forward to the New Testament. John 12, 24 says, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and dies, it abides alone. And this is Jesus talking. If it, if it falls to the ground, it brings forth what? Much fruit. So our lives really should be permanently in the offering basket. Not just our money, but our very lives. I have made up my life, my, my own mind to give my very, very life to God. We've given our life to Christ, but it's a daily thing. If you agree with me, it's a daily thing. You are the light of the world and we're encouraged to reach out to others, to shine that light. But in the world we are today, it takes courage because there are many things that are trying to dim the light. There are many things that are trying to douse the light. But the word says a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And that's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 12 to 14. You are the light of the world. You don't light a candle and put it under the bed. You put it on a lampstand for the world to see. And it's not only for those who are clergy. It's not only for those who seem to be in the limelight. We are all in the limelight. Hello? Because Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Say to yourself, I am the light of the world. Oh, some people cannot say it confidently. I am the light. These were the very words of Jesus. He said, you are the light of the world. So see yourself as light. Lighten every darkness that is in your pathway. Darkness will not overcome you in the name of Jesus. Your joy will not be dampened, but it will increase. So when we know the secret, I realize somewhere along the line that the enemy will try to trip you up. He will try to break your focus. He will try to bring things along the way to discourage you. What is discouragement? It is the opposite of courage. This courage. When we are talking about a call to courage, he said, Joshua, be strong and be courageous. Do not be afraid. Esther also received courage. Pray for boldness. Pray for courage. Whatever assignment is before you, whether you are going to negotiate a business, you know in a Nigeria like this, they will ask for kickbacks. They will want you to bribe. Then they will want you to compromise on your faith. But receive courage from the Lord. I say, I will please the Lord. If I have to walk away from the contract, let me walk away from it. 
the Lord will bring another one where I will not have to compromise. It's in our daily lives. Is it the raising of your children that is very daunting? Is it very challenging for you in a world and in a day like this? Some parents are overwhelmed because they feel, yes, there's so much immorality out there. But be courageous and prayerful. That don't allow fear. Be courageous. Do not think your child will be lost to the world. Your child is a seed that the Lord gave you. Hold on in faith. Continue to love and believe in that child. And that child will turn out well. But if we are discouraged, it will show in the words of our mouth. And those very words will now bring about what we do not want. So we must show strength. I also want to, you know, let us know. Because in a world like this, being courageous means that tuning your mind to uh, understand, really, that no one owes you anything. In recent times, I've come to really ap appreciate those words. Because my dad used to say that growing up, <laughs> you know, no one owes you anything, or you don't, you know, you don't owe. Take life as it comes. Do not think that you need other people have to run around you, rally around you, because you have this problem or you have that problem. Other people too have their problems. It's just that you don't know. Esther had a problem. It didn't show on her face. You couldn't even see her face anyway, because she was hidden in the palace. And you was assuming she was happy. What means happiness to you may not mean happiness to another person. Many times happiness is just having that our loved ones love us. Many times happiness is not having the best of car to drive. Hello? I personally, just give me a car that will get me from here to there. I'm not very particular about anything very fancy. Because I will tell you, no be car, I go hug. Hello? Let me interpret. <laughs> because my love language is quality time. Gifts are important, but it's not very tough for me. Because a car cannot hug me back. A car cannot speak to me. Hello? But relationships, someone being there for you, someone speaking a kind word to you, someone telling you the truth and not leaving you to yourself, these are priceless things. So, it's time for us to walk, to be courageous. At the end of the, the, the story, I mean, you need to read the whole of Esther. But in chapter 5, Esther, chapter 5, verse 1, Esther got up from the place of prayer. There's a place of, to pray. There's a place of prayer and a place of action. Right? There's a place to receive the word and there's a place to be doers of the word. That's why the Bible says that it's the doer of the word that is blessed, not just the hearer. Now it was time for her to rise up. She stood before the king. She stood in the doorway. She put on her royal apparel. She put on her crown. She put on her regalia. Obviously, it was rusting away somewhere. Your garment of office will not rust away. You will put it on. It will sit well on you. The Lord has given you a crown. You belong to the king of kings. You may not be an earthly princess or earthly king, but the one the Lord has given us is higher. So, put on your crown. Know that you are a child of the king. Go to work. Do not be discouraged. Go to that place of assignment. Do not believe that you will be refused. Tell yourself that I'm a child of the king. And I will get what I want. 
And that is what she did. She put on her royal robes and she went before the king. She didn't go anyhow. And when she stood there, Esther chapter 1, five, chapter 5 verse 1, the king said to her, My queen Esther, what do you want? It shall be given to you, even up to half of the kingdom. I thank God that she was focused. She didn't ask for shoe and bag. She didn't ask for this and that. Hello? <laughs> Not to put the women down. I'm a woman as well. And as you can see, yes, we like apparel. We like to look good and all that. But we adorn ourselves even much more on the inside. She stayed focused. She didn't forget what her request was. Of course, in her heart, she must have been very happy that she was not going to die. The king stretched his approval towards her. He even smiled. He even offered her up to half of the kingdom. He seemed to say, where have you been all this while? What blinded his eyes from seeing her, from remembering her? 30 days. In fact, 33 days now. Because she fasted for three days on top of the 30 days. Remember. What blinded him from seeing her? What stopped her also from going to him? Three days, you've not seen your husband. Five days, what stops you from going to him, even if he didn't call you? Fear and low self-esteem. Small thinking. Things that the enemy begins to tell you. Stories the enemy begins to tell you and you begin to believe as if it's real. Must there be a trouble before you arise? So it was for her good that the trouble broke up. Because if not, her marriage would not have been healed. If not, that's how 60 days would have happened. 90 days. And at the end of the day, she won't even have a marriage to talk about. That shall not be your portion. Many times your lifting is packaged as a problem that you are meant to solve. Take courage and solve that problem. If you even have a handicapped child or handicapped grandchild, love that child. Take that child as an assignment. Don't say, why is my own like this? Focus on that child. Maybe you are, you are here for such a time as this, for that child, just like Esther recognized. And of course, we know the rest of the story. She didn't go direct to her request, but she requested for a banquet, a dinner, maybe because she has lacked that opportunity to dine with the king. In dining with the king, the king asked her again, what do you want? I will give you up to half of my kingdom. I think he was amazed that that could be all she would ask for when she had up to half of his kingdom, lands and buildings to ask for. She said, well, all I want is another dinner. Dinner upon dinner, until the third day, she declared a manifesto. And we know the rest of the story. Haman, the wicked guy, was hung in the gallows that she had, he had prepared for Mordecai. And the king now actually made Mordecai and Esther, his right hand and, right hand and left hand man and woman, he gave them his signet and said, whatever you sign into decree, it is done. That's at the end of the book. And I realized that if she did not step up in courage to go with, to, before the king at the very risk of her life, she would not have found her marriage. She would not have found her calling. She would not have been operating as the queen indeed. And with that opportunity, I believe that she could begin to do many more things for the orphans, for the Jews who are out there. She could use a platform to do good for the community the community that was supposed to, to die. You don't know which lives are hanging on yours. I will close in sharing a bit of my story because I've run out of time again. I want to remind us also quickly of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. 
He has given us the spirit of courage. And that's what we should exhibit. In times like this, more than ever before. Others are discouraged, but you can speak a word of encouragement to them. You can see people who are downcast and tell them, it is well with you. Tomorrow will be all right. Tomorrow will be better. And you can actually encourage them and help them to make that tomorrow better. Maybe they need a scholarship. Maybe they need a gift. Maybe they need a small amount of money. Maybe they need a place to stay for a night or two. Will you courageously help someone along their way? Many years ago, this was in 1997, I discovered there were prostitutes, you know, just along the road in my community in Lagos, uh, Ikeja, Allen Avenue, Oregon. And many times my heart will go out to these girls. And I will just begin, I wonder, these, these, these girls are someone's daughter, someone's sister. I really couldn't understand why they would stand on the road and sell their bodies when there are, you know, there are other options. I got very interested. And one day, as I was sharing with someone, the person said, there was a brothel not too far from us where our church was located then in uh, Oregon. That area was called Kuka Village. That's Axis, anyway. And on a bright sunny afternoon during the week, I just put on my jeans. I didn't carry a Bible. I just went in and said, I'm going to go and visit these girls today. And I got in there and uh, I stood in the hallway of, uh, we call it in Nigeria, face me, I face you. Do you know those buildings? Bungalows with a narrow hallway, but with small rooms that open into the hallway. And at the end of the corridor, what do you have? The toilet, kitchen, the conveniences that they share. But those rooms are very small. They rent out those rooms uh, one by one, right? So I went in there, I stood in the corridor. I was just looking around, and then one girl came out. And I greeted her, she greeted me. And I said, well, I'm looking for my sister. It seemed like a lie, but they are my sisters, aren't they? The Lord gave me creativity. I said, I'm looking for my sister. And she said, I still remember... She said, is she fair? Is she tall? Does she look like you? And she made me to begin to try to describe this imaginary person. She never asked for the girl's name. And I wondered why. Her name was Sandra. She was my first friend in that place. But a few weeks and months afterwards, I realized that they never used their real names. So I guess she thought there was no need asking what my sister's name was. Because in her mind, she knew that will not be the name the girl is bearing in their midst. That will be the name they call her from home. But that will not be the name. Therefore, because that should have been the easiest way. She should have said, ah, madam, what's her name? And if I said the name, then she might say there's no one else, no one like that. And when I saw that I was going to run out of uh, ideas and lies, <laughs> I switched and... I lovingly began to encourage her that actually I just came to look out for someone like you. Because she first squeezed her face. But I began to encourage her that there was more to life than living a life like this. And I was available to help her, whatever it was. And we began to speak. And I was happy that she listened to me. And, you know, she leaned against the wall 
I think the wall of, uh, next to the door of her room, and I faced her, right? So the corridor was behind me. And then a lady passed in a skimpy towel and a bucket, and she was going, obviously, to the conveniences. And these were her very words. She said, Sandra, now born again. That means, is this one of those born again people? This lady was ready to have my head. And Sandra said, no, now my sister. So I felt like Esther. I still remember with emotions and nostalgia that very day in 1997. And I said, Sandra, God bless you. This lady quickly curtsied and greeted me with utmost respect. Said, good afternoon, ma. You know, greeted me. I said, God bless you. And she continued on her way. And I said, Sandra, God bless you. She became my very friend in that place. And after then, I continued to visit them, make friends with them. I didn't know that's what you call friendship evangelism. I was just following my heart. I was ready to leave my comfort zone to do something that was beyond the four walls of the church. Jesus didn't say, stay ye in the church. He said, go ye into the world and make disciples. Every, the clergy, they are in the church. But I believe that every place outside the four walls of the church are ours. Yours is the marketplace. Wherever you are selling, whether you sell food, you have a restaurant or whatever, in Bagi, Dubai, you sell, whatever it is, or you work in an office, where you work is your pulpit. Every day, that is the place where you preach from. That is the place where you do the very works because we come to church and we are encouraged by our reverend and our pastors and our leaders to go out there into the world. So, I want you to leave your comfort zone if you have not. Find something that is higher than you. You will have joy unspeakable. Since that time, I began to go in there. I'll give them, I'll tell, you know, stop doing this job. I, time will fail me to talk about the journey, but I encourage them to stop, you know, doing the work. They needed money. Okay. I tried to help them. Body cream today, perfume tomorrow, just so that they don't go out during the day. But there was no proof. How would I know if they do not go out? If they do not go out, their mates will tell them that it's hunger that will kill them. <laughs> so many things. These were young girls. But God birthed in my heart a vision to have a shelter and a home, which three years later, or should I say about two years later, I was able to found the Real Woman Foundation in Magodo. So today there's a shelter that is standing. We work with the NAPTIP, work with girls that are repatriated from Italy, from Europe, girls who have gone outside the country for prostitution. We just, the work has been really, really going strong. Many people know me more as a pastor, but really that is my life assignment and it's taking me really around the world. A few years after, I was able to found an orphanage in the same uh, next building, all in the same place where the Lord gave us favor to have. Children have graduated from Leeds City University here, from Covenant University, private universities in Nigeria, secondary schools, with very excellent results. We call the Shelter Peace Villa under the Real Man Foundation, and the orphanage is called the Love Home Orphanage. These children, they, they, my heart, um, how do I put it, is always full of joy when I see them and see the work thriving. But it's all started by me stepping up in courage and with the love of God in my heart to do what I feel he was leading me to do. 
Not that I didn't have anything. People may think you're well-read, read architecture, MBA, have all these degrees. But it's about building lives. Please find your own purpose. Encourage your children to move courageously. We can't keep giving excuses that in a Nigeria like this, the government should do it, the government should do it. We are the very government. We are the very salt of the earth. If each person makes a difference in their community, whatever they have been given to do, eventually the nation will be better for it. The world will be better. I've traveled so much around the world, so much. I came back from Budapest, Hungary, two days ago, I think on Friday, for an assignment. I've been around all over the place. People are hurting all over the world. So it's not only Nigeria. Their own problems may be different from, their own, from ours. They may have earthquakes. We don't have earthquakes. They may have natural disasters. Our own may be national disasters. Many times, we've used our own hands, what they call afawofa, but it's still our very hands that we're going to use to rebuild. And I'd like to encourage women here, because this really is your day. Proverbs 14 one says, A wise woman builds her home, and a foolish one pulls it down. While we are doing all these assignments, let's build our homes. I was conscious that, yes, I have my husband, I have young children. In 1997, my first two children were ages three and one. Today, they are much older, so I can go anywhere I want to go. But while we are serving women, let's always have our eyes on our husbands, on our children. Let's not be too far away from them so that they also will be builders and not destroyers. May the Lord bless this word in our hearts. I challenge us this day. It's a call to courage. And may we receive strength to walk in courage. May the Lord bless us. You will find joy unspeakable. The joy that no man can give you. You will find it as you continue to serve his purpose. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much. Thank you.